Wondering if we'll meet out in the street To take the sky away It don't move at all like a subway It's got bombs when it's cold like any other place It's warm up inside Sitting down and waiting for a ride the skyway. Hey everybody, welcome to Reporting is Eligible. I am game show host Paul Noonan of Acme Packing Company and the Shepherd Express. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed that. Um, we just finished losing to, honestly, one of the worst teams in the NFL, and certainly with the worst defense in the NFL, uh, and uh, everything went wrong. So to help me go over everything that did go wrong, which is kind of the whole game, uh, our Two people who uh, didn't pay that close attention to the game, which is the attention it deserved. First, in, <laughs> in urban Wauwatosa, we have... Hey, it's J.R. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And uh, um, actually, I'm watching baseball as it is game seven of the NLCS. <laughs> Good vibes from 2018, five years ago when the Brewers were in this uh, in this very same spot, Diamondbacks, Phillies. This game's going to end while we're talking. In fact... Corbin Carroll just, I think, drove in a run on a sacrifice fly that will make it 4-2 di- Diamondbacks. He is awesome, and we can keep he the streak alive. Of uh... Yes, every team that has played the Milwaukee Brewers in the postseason has made the World Series. The Diamondbacks, as as I speak right, right now, are a mere nine outs away from doing the same. <laughs> Amazing. What a world. What, what a world, world indeed. We, have, we do have just bad luck on that front, just running into the hot team, or maybe making them the hot team. One of the two. I guess we could take credit maybe. for it. Yeah, I don't know. At least yeah, this you, one of you guys ever seen would be. Have you guys ever seen Good Luck Chuck? Also, I'm Matt, but you can call me Matub. Acting Meme Weaver, General Twitter Rabble Rouser. Uh, Good Luck Chuck, Dane Cook vehicle, where uh, every time he sleeps with a girl, she marries the next guy she dates. I have not seen it, and I never will. But I do remember the commercials for it, and that being the premise of it. How how is it? Just out of curiosity, it's awful. That's it's okay. terrible. <laughs> it's it's so bad. It's it's There's a, a reason it's why a, there aren't additional Dane Cook vehicles floating yeah. around. I mean, I what? mean, uh, what was the one where he was a checkout guy at a Costco? That I, one was okay. I think he is a. I think that's second... real life, Matub. <laughs> I think that's real life. I think he's a secondary character in a movie with Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds where it's in Alaska where where he's actually okay. And I think that's where Dane Cook needs to live. As, oh, I was like, he's a, a secondary a, character in Waiting, which is a Ryan Reynolds movie. Yeah. Where, again, not, not offensive and just fine having him there. Yeah, Isn't that, is that the one where Ryan Reynolds has to marry Sandra Bullock because she needs she's Canadian? I think it is. I, you know, it's I saw hilarious. that movie in a theater, and I have no recollection of it whatsoever. Dane Cook is in. Dane Cook is in the proposal. Is that it? Oh, I don't know. That's, that's the name of the movie. Guessing. Yeah. <laughs> this is how interesting the Packer game was. The game was okay. <laughs> the, the movie you you kind of vaguely remember, but kind of also forgot all about. That was this Packers game. That's so correct. I just I, I I literally full confession just watched the condensed game uh, an hour ago. And like, I want my 34 minutes back. <laughs> well, be glad you missed it in real time. And aside from it being bad, it was boring. It was it was an extremely boring game, especially the first half where it was just the standard uh, run, run, pass, punt, like just over and over and over, um, non-creative, everything went wrong. Blech. I mean, it's hard to actually even analyze it. Oh, Dan, Dan Cook maybe isn't in that movie. Um, I'm not seeing that. <laughs> I'm not seeing him in the immediate credits on the top cast. Maybe he's not in the top cast, though. Um, 
I don't I think know. there'd be a better chance of me watching a Dane Cook movie if there was a 34-minute GameCast version of his, his movies that Amen we could kind of get in and get out very quickly. Yep. Um, so I'm wrong. He's totally not in this movie. Sorry about that. If, if you don't like okay. Dane Cook, see the proposal. He's not in it. <laughs> did not did not come on here expecting to uh, to disparage a random comic from the 90s. <laughs> or not 90s. Early 2000s. The early aughts. Uh, yeah. The early aughts. <laughs> Hey, uh, I know there's a lot on the rundown, but like I kind of I've done this before. I kind of want to talk about the biggest elephant in the room, which Let's is Jordan Love still. Yeah. And Jordan Love, like early on in the season, I was feeling the vibes. I thought we were headed in the right direction. I I know that, y- y- that you need uh, people in evaluating need to give a guy time. You know, obviously, he's got all young weapons. He's only been doing this as a starter for six games, et cetera, et cetera. But between the urgency that comes with NFL contracts and the need to know exactly what's going to happen sooner rather than later, especially at the quarterback position, I, I feel like I feel like you can't really wait. And his two touchdown passes in this game were both extremely lucky, in my opinion. Yep. It's a tip drill, and it is a ball that was a 50-50 possession that, yes, the, the Packer came down with it, but, like, that could have easily been bad. Everything is underthrown. Yeah. If Lance Easley or Gene Serator would have been calling it, it would have been an interception. That's right. Apologies That's to right. Gene. Gene, Serator, Gene, Gene was apologized. A, Gene was a mensch today and apologized for it. So sorry, sorry for the light rip, but in the moment, <laughs> it would have been. I just I, I realize he, he's going to get better, he, but but I don't think he's going to get better fast enough. Or if he, I mean, if, is he, the, if he doesn't, I, I don't know. Is is the tip touchdown really his fault? I don't. Th- so um, I think. We had a big argument with this one in, in the back end with Archon leading the – it was a bad throw. Um, I went and watched the L22 on it and froze it at the exact moment it hit him in the hands. That is Romeo Dobbs' fault. It, it, it was right between his hands, right in his face mask. It was not behind him. He should have caught it. That is a fine throw from Love. Maybe a little hard. Okay. But uh, – Yeah, so it, the only argument I've seen that actually makes any sense is like, hey, put some touch on it there, Jeff George. Yeah, yeah, which or is like, fine, but I thought like you got to catch that. Which is like we can get into all the other people who aren't the elephant in the room like Romeo Dobbs who also sucks. Um but yeah, uh, JR, you are fundamentally correct. Um the the bottom line is whether they like it or not, they don't have that much time with Jordan Love. <laughs> they have at most through next year without giving him more money and time. And part of the sitting and developing thing is that you should be able to tell pretty quickly. And I know like um, I, I don't like bringing up the Aaron Rodgers comp because I did it today on Twitter and got yelled at for four hours. That was stupid. My bad on that. But like, um, he hasn't really flashed too much that's impressive so far. And I think that's the big thing. You can overlook a lot if he was like hitting cool deep balls every once in a while, or if he was like scrambling and creating big plays, or if he was running the offense really efficiently. Like if he was like Brock Purdy and hitting 70% of his lame ass short passes, all that would be fine. But he's not doing any of that, and I think the NFL's kind of solved him at this point, which is he's he the one thing he's good at is throwing directly in front of his face, like 20 yards downfield, and if you cover that specific area of the field and, and make him go outside or short or deep, he just can't do it. Like, just those throws are bad, and um, over four years of, or three, whatever it's been, you should be good at one of them. Like, you, you should have been working on mechanics on short stuff or, you know, developing something other than the game he brought with him from college and that's not what we this is what this is what he was in college it's what he is now i see no evidence that he's developed over these first six games it's bad it's bad news and and i recognize the receivers have done him no favors you mentioned dobbs also terrible he's he's not the only guy i mean luke musgrave is now injured i there's there's 
he is a very incomplete product. I know there's going to be a lot of improvement. Like Luke Musgrave is so limited right now and he goes down the second somebody, you know, touches him. Obviously he's hurt now. So that's, a, that's a problem. There's less development for him. Um, I think, I, I think I might trust Ontavian Wicks as much as any receivers he's, to, to pass the ball. He's the no, best but receiver also on the, the team and the best quarterback on the team. That is correct. <laughs> yes, that's not good. That's not good. Oh God. It's so bad. So like, I realize you can't do the full evaluation, but they also, like you said, they're going to have to. They have to come up with an. With, they have to know what comes next at the at the quarterback position because it's going to inform what they do in the draft. It's going to inform what they do with contracts. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of season left. And I, it's just right now with him at quarterback. I think there's an argument that the Packers are the worst team in the NFL. I don't think they are, but they are way down there. They're way, way down, down there. there. Carolina and Arizona. And you, you see Minnesota beat San Francisco on Monday Night Football. And it's like, I don't, we're running out of teams that the Packers are actually better than. Yeah, Minnesota's frisky. Um, and <laughs> it, it's it's Arizona, Carolina. The Giants are awful. Um, there's not a lot more than that. I'm missing somebody I know. But um, uh, we should also, like, del- to delve into the receivers really quickly, um, this is a rich tapestry of badness. I used cornucopia failure as the rundown lead in, whatever mix of bad you want. Um, the way they used Musgrave up until he got hurt, also not how you should use Luke Musgrave. And if you're not going to run him up the seam, like the guy's comps Travis Kelsey, like get him down the field. If you're going to do these little outs to him where he's got to maintain his balance and turn up field and take a hit, it's not his game. wasn't his game in college. Um, it's a good way to get him hurt. He runs like a baby giraffe. And uh, I saw like last week when people were ripping on his blocking, Dusty tweeted like, okay, fine, but your tight ends do have to be able to execute tight end duties at some point. And uh, not to disagree with Dusty's usually bad idea, but like, I don't know about that. That's not really his job. Like, he's just a big receiver. Uh, If you wanted that guy, draft Sam Laporta. I don't remember if he went first or he might have gone before, but like, use Tucker Craft there. Like, you have guys who can do that thing halfway decently. Like, the way they use Musgrave is dumb, and that's a LaFleur problem. That's not a... Uh, a love problem or it's kind of a front office problem agree on that kind of thing um i just i love throwing to your big old tight end short of the sticks and asking him to turn up field and get a first he never gets yak it's such a dumb play he did he did in this game he he managed to to actually do that for the first time this season yeah because he was uncovered against the worst defense in football and And while we still had to dive yeah, while we're on the subject, I've got Christian Watson diagnosed as well. So um, a lot of tape floating around of um, multiple Packer receivers being in the same area, basically running out routes together in tandem like they're holding hands. Um, it, Watson's, I think, involved in all of those. And I think last year, uh, just when he was coming up as a weapon from the second division, they just gave him the two easiest routes that you can do. They, they gave him bombs, and they gave him jet sweeps and little tiny things. And this year, they're trying to turn him into an actual receiver with a route tree, uh, partially because Jordan Love can't throw bombs, one of the two routes that he can run competently, and he's not doing it right. I don't think he knows what he's doing, and I think he's the cause of a lot of these issues on the outside, which is not good, because you need him to be good to be good, um, and uh, that that development is also not there. So all kinds of problems all over this offense. Just a mess. I mean, and also he's not a good, he doesn't run a good nine. He doesn't hold his line. He gets pushed around by the DB. Also true. He's just fast and big. And he's just, he's just fast and big. That's all he's got. He's, he's second round Jeff Janis. (laughs) One of the charts that was going around showed the difference between teams that run on first down versus teams that pass on first down. 
the successful teams pass on first down and, and the mediocre ones run on first down. I know we're just talking about how the receivers are unreliable and that, might, that that's true. They also are predictable on top of it, on top of that, because they run on first down almost every opportunity they get. And uh, that's putting them, you know, their running game is, is, you know, especially with Dylan, it's inefficient. It puts them at second and seven. And like, then, then, you know, an incomplete pass later, they're, they're in a hole. Cause Jordan Love ain't going to complete that third. To, you know, he's not going to find that guy. He he did. He did on occasion, but yeah. it's just, it's, it's just a maddening trend with them. And I, I think, I think it's, it seems like it's a combination of they just, they just have to keep it simple because they don't have the guys who can do advanced stuff right now. They're, they're too young. I don't know if it's a talent thing, but it's it's a youth thing or an experience thing. And, you know, maybe there just needs to be more creative ways to get get football in the right guy's hands. But I think I think it's more the former than the latter at this point. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's very predictable. They run the offense like they're afraid of their quarterback and their talent. And that's no good. And I'm not surprised that they're a run heavy team. They are. They have been traditionally like the 49ers, even with Aaron on the team under LaFleur. The problem there is they don't have the chops, especially this year, to run that offense, like not even a little bit. Uh, the 49ers spend most of the time in 12 personnel. Uh, the Packers have, this is a front office thing that I'll bring up and not to rip on Jaden Reed for the 8 millionth time, and it's not even his fault. But if you're going to have a slot receiver on the field, you're going to be in 11 a lot. And if you're going to be in 11 a lot, your the like how your running works is very different than if you are running the Shanahan San Francisco stuff with heavy personnel on the field. And it takes I think I think it legitimately closes a lot of the LaFleur playbook um sort of having to keep Reed on the field slash having no offensive lineman who can block for the run anyway. Maybe the most infuriating thing as bad as the receivers are as bad as Love is without Bakhtiari and with the way they've chosen to have Rashid Walker in they can't block for the run either. They're actually they're much better pass blocking than they are run blocking, and so that part of the offense is also a disaster. And every single one of the successful runs was because of a good wide receiver block. Yep. That should not be the linchpin of your <laughs> rush offense. Often Dontavian Wicks. Yeah, Wicks was so good. He's Dobbs good. had a good Dobbs had a good block, but yeah, Wicks is Wicks is all around just uh, um. I wrote an article about Wicks this week. You actually. did. <laughs> his his over under on catches was 0. 0.5. Yeah. Like I was like, yeah, hammer the over. He gets one a game. <laughs> well, he averages uh 2.8 targets a game and he has a 50% catch percentage. Yeah. So in the numbers you're expecting over one. But he he had a good game. He did. So, yay. Threw a yay pass, caught a pass. The only guy who looks like an NFL receiver on the whole team is Dontavian Wicks. They need to get him the ball more. Play him more, get him more time. So bad. Were we wrong about Watson and Dobbs last year? Was it just a total misfire on the evaluation there? Are they just slumping? What would you credit that to? Um, Dobbs, I actually have never really liked that much. Um, he, he had some promise, but he was an air raid guy. They sometimes have trouble transitioning to the NFL because they have they, don't, they never face press man in college, and as soon as you punch him in the mouth, they they don't work anymore that's kind of what's happened to him although also we can't really separate like Dobbs is you know he's a fourth rounder I think he's actually overcast a little bit as their number one receiver he'd probably be fine as like a three <laughs> uh, which is what he is but Watson I mean he was so exciting just on the big plays and on the simple stuff he did that if you can't like if they I, a, either can't go back to that or B, turn him into a full route tree guy or at least like a better Marquez Valdez-Scantling <laughs> in terms of route running, then yeah, he's kind of a bust. And um, yeah, he, that, 
the upside is there with him. I feel like you can still train him to be good, but I think we're going to end up longing looking looking at George Pickens uh, for a while too. Who was a few, there were bad receivers between the two of them too. Like there are a bunch of guys who are garbage taken between Watson and Pickens, but Pickens was next up on our draft boards, so I'll just leave that. Yeah, there. well, they traded up for Watson too. They so like... did trade up for Watson, didn't they? Ah. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. he's not a bust. <laughs> you can do stuff with him, but man, he looks—he looks more raw than he did last year. How? Uh, I'm going to ask a question that I asked last week, and see if your answer is the same. Your confidence level that Matt Lafleur will be head coach in 2024? <laughs> I think it's the same. I think it's the same. Uh so it, it's not—it's not based on this game, but I actually am knocking that down a little bit. Because uh, uh, we, we we hear rumors on things, and uh, we I I've heard some whisperings. He's less safe than I thought he was. That's all. So I, I still think he's like he's, you should give a guy a mulligan on his first year with a new starting quarterback and seventy million dollars in the cap hole and all that. So all that still controls. Uh, so I st- I think it's like ninety percent he's back. But I also think there's like a small chance if they're awful that they do just clean house completely. Like start over scratch from scratch in twenty twenty five with fresh cap and fresh people. I think that's on the table at least. I know How next year is twenty twenty four, but they're still in cap hell in twenty twenty four. You can't do it for twenty twenty four. Matt was like, right, "It's not." Okay. Yeah, I, I, I was. Matt is cutting out a lot, but yeah, that's what he. That's what his uh, facial expression. I apologize. Is complaining okay. about. My my roommate won't stop playing Xbox. It's You're... so loud, <laughs> and he's using all the bandwidth. <sighs> You got to get him into. Some He's like kind my of... child. You cannot get him away from screens. Yeah, you, you got to get that guy. Hide the remote in... controls. Yeah, you got to get that guy into like some offline type game. Like get him into like an old JRPG or something. Hey, but you know what? Like he lives in Kansas full time. I'm not going to take the only socializing that he gets away <laughs> from him. All right, fair enough. Uh, Good tough. point. So, how much do you lay at the feet of the scheming here? I know. I know. There's been a lot of. A lot written about Matt Lafleur's script to start games yeah. that that has not led to points hardly at all. But it, it like I said, it does seem like they just they can't be, be complicated because their their youth is 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 constantly on display. I'd cut them. I think a little more slack if um, if they were more uniformly bad. I think the the lack of success on the opening like two drives on the scripted plays, especially the last two games isn't great like that's when you should have your best stuff like you had all this time to think about it and go off tendencies it's nice he's made in-game adjustments that's good but the script being bad is is pretty rough and it makes me wonder um if their brain trust on the offensive side has suffered a little more than we kind of think so um he is making in-game adjustments you know he's there doing that planning and calling and whatnot but I wonder if this is just, like, is this uh, Adam Sedovich like not offensive coordinating properly? Because that's prepping as you know head coach and coordinators. It's doing film study and feeding it back through. And I do wonder if just losing a bunch of guys to various other teams actually has had an impact on how the game opens up. Um, it, it another just all bad thing. Like, the, the, sorry, any, anytime someone mentions the script. The song "Break Even" plays in my head, and then like I lose all concentration. <laughs> I don't even know. Did they sing that song about the Hall of Fame? The script. Put him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, is that the script yeah. or is that I believe something so. else? But no, yeah. it, like when a heart breaks, no, it don't break even. That's, yeah, yeah, that's I know. The, I know break even. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ain't no one on this team gonna be in the Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> the uh, 
I guess you could technically chalk this loss up to Anders Carlson if you really wanted to be mean about it. We we said, well, it's going to cost him one game. He did finally miss a field goal, and they lost by it, it was, they lost it was by that margin. Forty-seven yards was the miss? it was forty-seven. Yeah, so it yeah. wasn't easy. A little easier in Denver, but yeah, but then Denver drove down the field from where he missed. Yeah, that was <laughs> oh, that's that, a good that point. Was, that was brutal. Yeah, that's a big swing. You're right. That is rough. So yeah, at least a little bit. Yeah, so apparently I have the freshest knowledge of the game because I've just watched it. Yeah, I forgot about the repercussions of missed field goals. Um, I mean, I I would take what Anders Carlson has done this season thus far. Yeah, he's been fine. Relative to my expectations. Um, You shouldn't need a man. Relative relative to our expectations, he's infinitely better. You you shouldn't need a field goal to to eke out a win over Denver, scoring 17 points or whatever, 20 points. Yeah. That's the thing. 10 days to face the Las Vegas Raiders, 13 days to face the Denver Broncos. And you not only didn't win either game, but you really like played poorly. Like it, it was really ugly. Right. Like that's, it's, that's pretty damn. It's not like they got lucked out of this game. Like they probably shouldn't have scored at least one of the two touchdowns. They scored. <laughs> the oh du- yeah. No, they, it would have been absolutely lucky if they won this game. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it, and I think that's like my big pessimistic thing is like, if they would have lost this game, like, 38 to 40 all right that's good we scored 38 points i can live with that they did something with what they were supposed to but like what is there to make you think that like love can even be a top 10 quarterback at this point or that this team has anything to work with at this point there's just nothing there like uh we didn't i'm sure we'll get to briefly to defense too but like uh, the coaching was bad. Uh, everybody's execution was bad. Like, there's not even like any. There's no young guys out there. Like, oh, he's impressive for a rookie. There are rookies playing well in the NFL right now. Like, that's a thing that happens sometimes. <laughs> we don't seem to have any of them. But uh, we cut too much slack for that inexperience. Like, yeah, we're the youngest team. When you have the youngest team, you have a lot of rookies, and a handful of them should be impressing. Uh, it. I I hate this team. This team sucks. It's so bad. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, well, the defense was sneaky bad. You could at least say that about them because the uh, the overall point total and the overall point total wasn't terrible. But no, they, no, they got they got gashed pretty good though. They did. They they didn't lose because of the defense, but they they had a very Joe Barry game and that they got absolutely gashed on the ground. And sometimes that you know when you can't, your offense can't score, that's usually enough to drive it home, and that is what happened. Um, and uh, uh, Javante Williams and that McLaughlin guy had 20 carries for 127 yards. And yeah, that'll do it. And, and honestly, there were a few drives where, if not for holding penalties and sort of unusual penalties, Denver would have just run, 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 touchdown. Uh, they they were forced to pass because they lost 10 yards randomly on third down a couple times. And that helps the Packers a lot. They've gotten lucky that way, too. It's in bad. The Hall of Fame. <laughs> I just, okay, um, so because I have the freshest watch, the Sutton touchdown. Yeah. Um, it was a combo route pick play, yep. whatever you want to call yep. it. Um, yeah. And Razul did not play it correctly. He was he, very mad. And he was very mad at everyone else. Like, like the other team is, is paid too, Razul. Like, like you aren't supposed to run headlong into a group of four guys. I don't know. Anytime Razul gives up a touchdown, he just immediately turns around and looks for someone to blame. It's like big Demarius Randall energy. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, he won't be on the team in a couple weeks anyway. So, um. <laughs> a couple weeks. 
Yeah, the uh, well, oh, no, in a couple in days. Week. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Halloween draws near. Um, so next week. Yeah, yeah. they're gonna they're gonna trade with Sean <laughs> Gary, so and everyone foreboding. is blown backward. <laughs> they're gonna trade with Sean Gary. Everyone's gonna freak out, and we'll be like, "Y'all need to listen to reporting as Elder." That is correct. Telling you this is coming, or they won't, and we'll just be like, "What do you guys What are you guys doing there? You gonna sign him? Just gonna let him go? <laughs> gonna gonna rely on compensation picks? Oh boy." Good times. Well, okay, like the Patriots got what, like a fifth for Tom Brady? Something like that. So but we oh, could do better than that. Maybe. <clears throat> Maybe we can. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, just bad all around. Russell was fine. Not great. But the running game was so awesome it didn't matter. And uh, their top two receivers caught all 11 of their target. That's Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton were 11 for 11 for 140 yards and a touchdown. That's uh, That's not good either. It's very bad. Jerry Judy, who everyone is trying to get off this team. Yep. This worst team in the NFL candidate. Caught and, all his uh, targets, converted a bunch of first downs. So the the only saving grace of this is uh, the sane Broncos fans that I know are really mad. Why is because that? Because this is going to prevent them from getting one of the top two quarterbacks. Uh, not only is it going to prevent them from getting one of the top two quarterbacks, it is also giving them this bolstered confidence that they're not going to sell at the deadline. Oh, yeah. And they're going to be stuck with a bunch of bad contracts and old players. Good times. <laughs> so, yeah, they, um, the, the, that that lone win probably sets the Broncos back two or three years. This is a preview for me like three weeks from now like when they <laughs> randomly un- upset somebody that they shouldn't and were out of the Drake May running. It's going to happen. Yeah, so so uh, the Broncos are definitely facing a multi-year setback now yes. so at least, at least we got that going for us so moral you, victory I, I do have to mention you all know who our leading receiver in this game was right uh dpi right it, it was definitely dpi actually did we get any i don't think we got any yes do we get one there was at least one i know they got one so who was the actual leading receiver it was aj dylan yeah 34 oh. 34 yards Gross. receiving okay. led the team yes Gross. That it is absolutely gross. Oh, that's so bad. So Keyshawn got called um, for pass interference, but that is the only one that shows up on the uh, the game day thing. So, yeah. you know, one of the one of the big winners of this game is Caleb Williams uh, because he is somebody who said he wants to have equity in the next team that you know when he goes <laughs> to the NFL. And there's no easier team to get equity in than the Green Bay Packers. Absolutely, they true. will just hold another stock sale. And Caleb Williams can immediately become a part owner. Yeah. So um, I see that working out for him. He can get access to this all the cool nice. merchandise that they have. Shareholder hat. Are the Packers going to be? F- the, the Packers are not going to be favored in any of their other games, right? They will. They, not they even will. the Bears. Not even the Bears. They'll be favored. You think uh, so? I, I think they'll be favored against Carolina, and uh, they play one other stupid bad team too. I mean, I forgot Carolina was on the docket. That's true. Of course. Uh, yeah, we got. They're going to lose problem. to Carolina. Can we, let's just admit it, they're going to lose. Everyone's going to shut them out. That is correct. That no, is but correct. And, and then they're going to have some kind of like crazy showing against KC. Like they're probably still going to yeah. lose, but like they're going to like look competent against KC, and everyone's going to go, well, "I don't know." Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Taylor Swift is going to be there to see it. Yeah, I think the only other one is the Giants, maybe, but that is in New York, so probably not. God. Yeah. They have the easiest schedule <laughs> on the face of planet Earth. <laughs> this is a soft. This is softer than Charmin, this schedule. Well, yeah. And they're still going to find a way to lose the vast majority of their games. They are. They're going to lose to Minnesota without Justin Jefferson. They're going to lose to the Steelers with you know one of the worst offenses in football because they're going to get absolutely shut out by that team. The Rams are all of a sudden surprisingly good. 
Um, it's just not the, the Buccaneers. Like the Buccaneers, I think everybody thought would be horrible. They're they're okay. They're not. They're going to beat the crap out of the Packers. It's bad, but uh, we shouldn't discount um, our possibility of being in the running for the top two quarterbacks. Like I think we can pull this off. We can Greg Gabriel this crap yeah, very easily. Real. Yeah, we're in this. So it's that's, very real. That's where I am now, and I'm starting to focus on those matchups. Like that Carolina matchup's huge, you know, and the Chicago Arizona matchup later on the season is huge too. So there's lots of uh, lots of fun tiebreaker implications still to be, um, you know, sorted but, here. Hey, don't worry, guys. Banker was on the internet uh, defending Jordan Love this week. So yeah, that's obviously. his cottage industry now. That is how how Kurt rolls. Actually, uh. but like shout outs to uh, the podcast that he did with with Ninja. Because I talked a lot of crap about it, and Ninja's brother, who runs that podcast, followed me on Twitter, and we had some good banter back and forth. So, like, <laughs> all right. Ninja, by the way, is a Fortnite player. Is that correct? He's a Twitch. He's the Twitch streamer. He's yeah. the largest Twitch streamer. But right, yeah. but that, that's mostly, what he's like famous Twitch. for, right? Mostly, yeah, mostly Fortnite. Okay, yeah. yeah. In case you don't know who that is, if you're old my age, that is who Ninja is. Yeah. Uh, Ninja <laughs> regularly has weird colored hair that's spiky. He loves the lions and plays video games for a living. <sighs> Living the dream. I didn't know who it was either. Yeah. But I just go with it. Matub's friends are fine with me. They're cool. <laughs> mono. Right. What's the word? Mononymic? What's the word when you go by one name and one name only? Like Madonna. Is it mono mononymic? Seal. Mono be- I don't know, actually. Yes. That's a, I mean, mono mono mnemonic. Mnemonic. <laughs> right now, Shall we get to Johnny questions? Mnemonic. Let's do it. <laughs> Hey, all right. Patreon questions go first, as is always the case. I'm reporting as eligible. Patrons get question priority. And Danny Noonan, who is related to the podcast host, Paul <laughs> Noonan, uh, gets the most question priority. How did the CrossFit guy that the Bears put in at quarterback do? <laughs> he was okay. That that would be Tyson Bajant, who uh, is huge into CrossFit, which, of course, you know immediately upon talking to him, like all people who are into CrossFit. Um, and he That's was the first thing they mentioned. It is. And he, he was perfectly fine, but not great. Like, they protected him pretty well. And they, the Bears ran for, like, a gazillion yards in this game. Um, and they did not need a, a have. It was against the Raiders, who you should be able to run on at will and score on at will, unlike some team. Um, and, and so the Bears put up 30 without much effort and a journeyman quarterback uh, and almost no NFL talent on their team, unlike some team. Uh, and won that game handily, so Tyson Bajan didn't have to do very much. But he did have a touchdown. He completed a good percentage of his passes. He was 29, 21 for 29, only a buck 62. Um, but like it wasn't that kind of game. You could be a caretaker quarterback in this game, and, and it worked fine for them. So, yeah, uh, the Bear fans are all very excited to have a not-Justin-Fields guy win a game for them. Uh, he's apparently going to start one more game at least while Fields is still healing, and uh, so this could be fun. And, yeah, I hope he does well enough that they screw things up. That would be great. Oh man, what if they like it's, Case Keenum him? I mean, it's it's possible, you know. It, it could happen. It, it's not that hard to just check down to DJ Moore eight million times, which is what he did, by the way. <laughs> Smart plan. Do that. It's going to be Tyson Bajan against Sean Clifford in the season finale. Heck yeah, it feel is. It as the uh, the battle as the, of, as the you, Packers look for. Did you guys see the the Sean Clifford uh, interaction after the Musgrave hit? Didn't. No, 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 it did not. Okay. Has anyone broke the swear word? Please don't. Yet? Just, I don't want to. Just do it. Oh. Oh. He oh said, okay. He, okay. That's fine. He don't said, do it. Don't he do it. he okay. said the b word. If it's a he, quote, okay. Um, is the b word Bajant? <laughs> so, 
who whoever who hit Musgrave? I forgot the the, the guy who got suspended. Kareem for Jackson. Kareem Jackson. Kareem Jackson. Jackson. Uh, yeah. So Sean Clifford ran up to him and goes, "You a b word." <laughs> <laughs> i do like that visual that, that visual is, good. is very fun. does anyone think okay this is probably stupid but like when john runyon senior comes out with this hammer on kareem jackson giving him a four game suspension obviously it wasn't just the packers it's a history of hits and it might i think it's going to get reduced down to two games anyway but does it strike you as a little bit of a conflict of interest? You wrecked a guy who's on my son's football team. I will now hand out a four-game suspension. How does that not strike people as odd? It's pretty odd. Uh, it's weird that it's allowed to happen. It's like there's not other people in the office that you could just be like, all right, take myself out of this one. This is on you, assistant right. guy, to do it. Like, just do that. Like, there's no reason not to do that. I, I'm just imagining JRJ sitting in his locker and texting his dad like, yo, get him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if John Runyon Jr. even wants this. It's it's not it's not great when your dad is the one in charge of discipline. Like, She's that's, dad. That's You're that's making tough. me look weak in front of everybody. Stop it, Dad. Don't call <laughs> his so parents, guy. Uh, speaking of which, everyone on this team is injured. Everyone on this package. also true. Also oh my true. god, why is everybody so hurt? Like, how do you, how do you lose your best corner during the bye week? <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> General Alexander I mean, apparently turned lots of thirty-eight questions. years old during the bye week. Just yeah. Well, you know what they this say is, about a bad really back, tough. right? Yeah, we all we've said it a million times on this podcast. No one's ever had a bad back. Drink. All right, Mark Putscarby, have you looked into Stephen Patton's play calling rankings at all? Entering this week, he had both Matt LaFleur and Barry in a top 10. So I'm curious on your thoughts and if his methodology was worth listening to or if there was a fatal flaw in there. I know it's easy to equate poor production with poor play calling, but I also know it's not always the case. So curious what your thoughts are. So I read up before the podcast. I'm not that familiar with it, but I read up on the methodology. And I will say, like, it's a nice try. It seems to, like, pass at least the smell test on people outside of MLF and Barry so far. And I do think if you kind of dig into the underlying numbers of both the Packer defense and what's kind of gone on on uh, LaFleur's offense, that the way his rankings work makes sense because they're all about exceeding expected metrics of some kind. And Jordan Love, uh, who is kind of the offense to a large extent, um, he is like exceeding PFF grades and CPOE and stuff like that. So he, he like his EPA production is better than his underlying metrics. A lot of that is like getting DPIs and having Jaden Reed catch the tip pass and stuff like that. There's a lot of EPA boosters in that. And, you know, the Bears game is weighing heavily there too. So that's, I think, one of the main reasons he's high there. And then Joe Barry, like the Packer defense hadn't been that bad, honestly. And the expectations for them are, I think, to be quite horrible. <laughs> um, so I kind of get why they're ranked that high. I just think it's there's a lot of small sample size ba baked in there. There are a lot of metrics baked into that formula that... Um, are prone to get a little out of whack, especially this early in the season. I suspect by the end of the season, those two will not be in the top 10, <laughs> and things will kind of work their way out. Um, it's an interesting attempt. I think there's too much going on there. Um, you're going to end up with a lot of noise in that. But um, like, it's not like, I will say this, Like when I see a guy who's trying to rank play calling, uh, my immediate thought is, that's probably a bad idea, and this is probably a, a charlatan. And um, I don't think that is the case. I think it's an honest attempt uh, to to isolate the coach's impact on things. 
And uh, it, it, I don't think it's perfect. I'm not sure. I'm gonna, I'm, I will not be relying on it unless it gets, you know, quite a bit more rigorous. There's betting lines involved in part of that model, but um, you know, it's okay. It's it's okay. It's an, I'm not going to criticize somebody for making up their own metrics for one thing. And second of all, like it, clearly a lot of work and passion went into it, and it's well thought out. So I'll give you that. But small sample size, as usual, impacts a lot, especially in football. All right, Donald Anderson. Update. The Packers have gone zero games since receiving a personal foul. A personal foul declined is still a personal foul. <laughs> Do you have the way to sort out Matt Luffler's record in the mountain and Pacific? He seems to just never get his teams ready to play when they stray far from far west from the Mississippi. Uh, splits do not are not that cool on reference, but just anecdotally, you're right about that. When they go out west, they struggle, um, and um, it's a, it's it seems like an issue. I've always kind of chalked it up to you. losing that extra day of install on scheme actually has a pretty big effect on the Packers. Um, generally speaking, uh, under Rodgers, those games tended to turn into. I'll just play shotgun for 50 snaps and I'll pick we pick on weak spots and that'll be fine. And it never was. So um, I think anecdotally, it's probably true. I can't actually break it down for you, but uh, yeah, they seem to struggle out West. Also not uncommon, like travels hard on everybody and everybody's worse going to a couple time zones over. All right. Steven Kurtz says, should they just come out running the hurry up offense in the first half before they get behind? I mean, they should stop doing what they're doing. So kind of, yes, they should definitely be less predictable. Um, throwing RPO in would be nice once in a while, but yeah. I was going to say like, like this is the, the point where we make the, like make the whole offense out of the second half offense yes. joke. Um, and so, but I just had an idea. Okay. So what if <laughs> this Packer team is so deep in their identity of not playing the first half of football games that after week eight, they will become good. <laughs> <laughs> Just at a macro level, it applies. I like it. Um, yeah. So it does seem to be – so, like, Luke Musgrave – no, the other one. Tucker Craft had a quote about their success in adjusting after halftime and that those adjustments do happen, and they've been better for that. And it was very much a let's make the first half out of the whole game kind of thing. Um, but they've done a bad job on picking on weaknesses and uh, doing their – week-long scouting on what they should be doing to open games either that or they're just like we'll do our identity thing and we'll run and just get heavy and blah 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 and uh, that's stupid and if they're doing that they need to stop so i mean short answer is yeah that's probably smart <laughs> uh, go more up tempo uh, stop pounding aj Dillon into the middle of the line pointlessly and ch- don't don't keep doing what you're doing that's all this is not working change it up Scarf21 says, it seems like so many things are going wrong with this team all at once and at all levels. If you were the Packers patron patron deity with the authority to do whatever it takes to get this team back on track, how would you be, even begin to fix this team? Uh, it is a mess all over, but start with quarterback because that's having a good good one fixes a lot. And uh, that's if you only fix one thing, that's what you got to start with. That There's no other possible answer. Give me a good quarterback, and the team instantly gets a lot better. A lot of other issues fall into place. They'll still be inexperienced and make inexperienced mistakes. But uh, that's that is the that's always going to be the answer in football. I would give him okay, alternate but, jerseys. But, he, but he's talking about like being able to just wave a magic wand and change all the things. Well, sure, but he's talking about where to start because yeah. obviously, if you change all the things, you make this the 2010 Green Bay Packers. 
<laughs> or the 2011 Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I mean, more like it. The, no, I mean, yeah, no, you I mean, make this the 2014 Green Bay Packers with a different coach. <laughs> hmm. All right. I mean, if I could fix just everything, then that's not a question, you know. So <laughs> I just I I think the 2014 2014 team would dog walk the 2010 team with better coaching. Eh, maybe, but again, the, you got to fix. Yeah, I assume you have to leave some parts of this team in place for the question's sake. You know, now change one thing. So you get a new president <laughs> who wants to make this make a splash, who then changes the whole team. How's that? All right, fair. But anyway, bottom line is it's yeah, quarterback. I, I would bring in alternate jerseys. It's it's time. Hell yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's a great idea, Jr. <laughs> like, what no one joke, thing would you do? That's awesome. <laughs> Richard Proctor, serious question: How hard is it to get an offensive lineman that is good at pass blocking and run blocking? I always kind of assumed you needed to be competent at both to be a professional lineman. It seems like the whole line has forgotten how to run block. Am I crazy? I saw on back-to-back plays Rashid Walker completely whiff or bypass his defender as if he got monstered and completely forgot what his job was. <laughs> I stopped watching after the first quarter, so maybe it kept happening. I just I, Now I just have this vision of Patrick Ewing not being able to bounce a basketball, and that just makes me so happy. <laughs> it's such yeah. a good part. Uh their, their problems are multifaceted on the offensive line. One is that Rashid Walker is just objectively bad at it, at tackle. Uh, one is that Zach Tom, for as good as he has been, generally speaking, is light. He's a small guy. And so they got two problems right there. Uh, Josh Meyer, not a good player. Um, <laughs> Did you guys see Jenkins whiff on that? He, is, uh, he was bad on that. He, he had a bad game. And yeah, boy, did he get blown up on that play. What the hell? Like, so basically Aaron Jones had like a, I don't know, it was like a, a sweep left that got blown up three yards deep. And Elton Jenkins just full on just missed. Like, it wasn't even a whiff. It was an air ball. It was bad. Like, it was really bad. Um, So that that's kind of like a lot of its size. And then a lot of it is just um a coincidence of having a lot of guys where it's not their forte. They draft, um, they, they draft guys who can pass block, but they shouldn't be this bad. Elton Jenkins is supposed to be pretty good at this <laughs> and jrj is supposed to be okay at it and he's having a really bad season too some of that does cascade like when rasheed walker misses a block people have to move off of their blocks to pick up his block and it all kind of runs together um, but this is a line that's not designed for pass blocking that's lost its people who are good at both in in bakhtiari and um well i guess they're one guy but yeah, you're supposed to be competent at, you know, if you're good at one, you're supposed to be okay at the other one. It's weird that they do have these big splits and it's, you know, not good for a team that actually wants to run the ball more than average. Um, it, it does. It's not well put together. This That's one thing about this Packer team. They're not well put together. Like they should have a tight end that can block better. They should have uh, fewer resources devoted to slot. They should have more linemen who are good at both pass blocking and run blocking, even if they're a little worse at pass blocking. And they got none of that. Um, it's uh, it's not a good not a good job putting this thing together. We should bring the front office into this a little bit. Like if you're going to have this scheme, you need to put different players into it to make it work effectively. Uh, Richard Proctor also says request since we now have to care about college quarterbacks again. Yeah. Paul, what quarterback stats should I care about? I'm assuming not counting stats of any kind, but should I care about a dot and EPA and CPOE? You uh, don't have to explain what those are, <laughs> but which ones should I care about? You should care <laughs> no, about QBOPs. 
You actually should care about Q-Bops. Um, <laughs> if you can get EPA, I mean, Godspeed and bless you. And uh, it's probably, maybe it's out there and you have to pay for it, but I can never find it. So um, that's a good one. And that's, even that's going to be a little flawed in college, but the completion percentage is just a good starting place. Like if you're bad at that, you're probably not going to be a good NFL quarterback. Um, uh, completion percentage plus throwing the ball down the field is better. And then you really do have to look at strength of schedule too. Like um, if you, I know a lot of people are high on JJ McCarthy right now, Michigan's quarterback, um, decides that he might be stealing signs, but also besides that, Michigan has played one of the worst schedules in college football. Their strength of schedule is 117th and a Big Ten quarterback behind just an elite offensive line with good receivers is going to tear up the 117th hardest schedule in college football. It gets harder later on, but that does matter a lot. I think that's kind of the Zach Wilson rule. Um, if it's why people were fooled because he did have the typical metrics that uh, you look for in a professional quarterback and he just was against nobody, you know? And, and Well, yeah, and it also, it turns out all of his offensive linemen were 26 years old and, like, literally beating up children. Yeah, also that. <laughs> so it, it really, like, QBOPS is simple, but it, it works really well. CPO, if you can get it, is also fine. And uh, it, usually PFF does publish that, which is just completion percentage over expected. Uh, you got to be a little careful with it because you, you can kind of spam it if you're a checkdown artist a little bit. Um, but really just high completion percentage plus... Um, high um, yards per catch. ADOT, there, if ADOT as a component there is fine, but not by itself. And then you do need a guy who has a, at least a 45 to 50 grade arm. And that's honestly one of the hardest things to tell. Arm scouting on college quarterbacks is awful. It is terrible. Go just in, go Google Michael Penix Jr. arm strength right now. You will get scouts that say it's one of the worst in football. You'll get guys describing it as elite. Um, and the combine throwing drills don't tell you much of anything. So um, you got to just watch how hard they throw in games and kind of do your best to figure out if it's good or not. And that's as far as it goes. But uh, I'll tell you, a study done by Football Outsiders like 20 years ago now, um, completion percentage is like the single best predictor. Um, and you got to make some adjustments for, you know, if do you have all-star wide receivers, is your, the, are the defenses you face bad? Are you throwing it down the field or not? All those are like sub factors, but if all those are there, those guys are almost always good. And if you don't have a high completion percentage, like Jordan Love, you're almost never any good. And the only real exception to that's Josh Allen. Uh, if you're hunting unicorns and want to go for another Josh Allen, fine, but it is not a winner's game. Bryce Trozen says, I don't understand the fascination with the red zone fade route. Same. <laughs> I don't think anyone does. I don't think it worked. <laughs> I don't think it's worked once this season, and the sample size is larger. Should they scrap this play? And if I'm allowed a sub question, Collective Soul and Fuel are playing a free show here in two weeks. Is this a JR approved 90s bill? <laughs> okay, let's start with the latter question. <laughs> it's it's a hundred percent approved. I have seen both acts technically in the past year. In the case of Fuel, it was merely former lead singer Brett Scallions playing, oddly enough, with the band Sponge, another 90s staple. Oh, rare. Uh, they were playing a free concert. They were playing a free concert next to the bakery down the street from my house. It's uh, It was an actual thing that happened. I had a great time. It was probably my favorite concert-going experience. I also saw Collective Soul at Summerfest. I did not think they were good. The review in our very newspaper indicated otherwise. I was a little confused, but I am a fan of the band. I'm a fan of Ed Rowland. Don't know if they, you know, have their fastball anymore, but... Uh, I am uh, I 100% give my stamp of approval to that 90s that 90s yep. bill right there. So your your description of fuel reminds me of when I saw another animal open for Alter Bridge. You ever heard of another Very animal? Good. No. 
I have. Huh. I have actually, yes. So they are they are the the musicians from the band Godsmack and the lead singer from Ugly Kid Joe. Oh wow. <laughs> yes. Yes. How, and how's Ug- that for a combo? <laughs> Ugly Kid Joe with an incredible version of Cats in the Cradle that I feel like was really underrated in its moment. <laughs> uh they had their big song was I Hate Everything About You, which is which is not good. No, before not. before Three Days Bad Grace song. had a song called I Hate Everything About You. Terrible song. Uh <laughs> but uh, but yes. The guitarist for Godsmack is very highly regarded as a as a musician. And I, I always found that puzzling because like they're up there singing songs like Crying Like a Bitch. And and you've got this guitarist playing this incredible stuff, but then also like singing along to these god awful lyrics. I mean and God's, but that is, Godsmack that is, is okay, why but my lord. That is why Alter Bridge is awesome because yes. Creed was full of very good musicians and Scott Stapp. Yes. And so they kicked out Scott Stapp and they went and got Miles Kennedy. And they made who a good can band. Wail, like, yeah. Who can absolutely wail? Yes, and, uh, Alter Bridge songwriting, Tremonti, not elite, but still everything else great. Yeah, Mark Tremonti uh, has his own signature Paul Reed Smith guitar, and PRS's don't pick bad signature musicians. So yeah. Just, yeah. By the way, that uh, that bakery is the bridesmaids' bakery, correct? For me, the yeah. one down my house. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Rocket Baby. Yeah, is the name of it. Isn't the, but, is that? I think that I'm pretty sure it's the bridesmaids' bakery. <laughs> What does that mean, Bridesmaids Bakery? So like to, the, to bring like this back around, to bring this back around to Chick Flicks and and to, to the movie Bridesmaids, which is set between Chicago and Milwaukee, uh, I, yeah. I'm fairly sh- the main character owns a, a bank a bakery that has gone bankrupt, and they walk by it several times, and I'm 99 sure it's that bakery that is the stand. No, I don't believe they did any principal filming for that in, in Milwaukee. They had overhead shots. I don't believe anything was shot in Milwaukee. I, okay, I'm gonna. I know get... it was set in Milwaukee. Yes, yes. I know that. Yes, but yeah, I, but gonna... I don't believe there was any filming okay. that took place here. Well, when we were dating, my my wife lived next to the pizza place from Thirty Minutes or Less. So there you go. Well done. Well done. <laughs> uh, what was his other uh, question? I the mean, former question cares? is Red oh, Zone yeah. Fade Route. We actually we did have a game winner Red Zone Fade Route this year. We did, but it's uh, it is historically it's, it's a... against Isaac Yadam. That's. <laughs> It was it was picking on Isaac Yadam. It took three three throws to get it right. That was the back to back to back. And it's really it, funny. Well, what's really funny about the red zone fade route is uh, the NFL numbers on the red zone fade route are it's like thirty percent successful. Um, and the reason it became into vogue was because Megatron was like sixty five percent successful. <laughs> you know, because he's the most physically imposing wide receiver to ever yeah. play the game. And and everyone's like, oh, we should try that. And it's like, well, you don't have Megatron. So. Yes, all true. But yeah, it's dumb. And and it's the yes, lines. Stop fault. it. Stop it. Uh we've got a lot of questions left, so I'm gonna try to move a little more swiftly. Ryan Ziegler, the OODA loop in human performance was first identified by Colonel John Boyd in World War II, with the four steps being observe, orient, decide, and act. As you break Jeez. the loop, you have a tactical advantage against your opponent. It feels as if this is a problem for Matt, and he appears to break the, his loop between orientation and deciding, leading to the act phase being poorly implemented, such as safe plays to gain down and distance, or hucking it deep, or not being applied at all, stopping the toss play to the flats. Your thoughts? <laughs> this dude seriously just journey. hit us with a... He just hit us with a talk about question where he was the one ex- doing the explanation. <laughs> uh, yes, a lot of World War II, some theory, some some military theory. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I I got lost halfway through the question. I, I was thinking yeah. about the fuel song that's in my head. I'm I mean, I think generally speaking, their project planning seems to be lacking a bit. Uh, and 
there's an execution element to there and there is definitely a planning element there there seems to be a lack of faith in the plan by some people so i mean yeah however you want to describe that i think that's pretty right i'm sorry paul you were just this side of corporate speak that. it was a corporate (laughs) big question (laughs) yeah but you got to be like they really need to leverage their synergies (laughs) (laughs) it's a good question our question askers are really good they're they're having some fun i appreciate that uh jd if Aaron Jones is not healthy enough to play more snaps than 23, should they even bother playing him? Just sit him until he can play the majority? Sub-question with all the run, run, pass, punt in the first halves lately. I feel like I am in a time warp to my early days of Packers fandom watching Lindy Infante's <laughs> offense. Why does Matt LaFleur suck now? Uh, it's, it's all the rich tapestry. He, he sucks because he's limited by his personnel, but he also is not creative enough to figure out how to work with his personnel. So... Uh, yeah, it's poor. It's painful to watch the the old '80s offense. It it really is. And Aaron Jones has been playing fewer snaps than AJ Dillon for quite a while now. Um, they definitely save him for like random big plays and to have him out there as a receiver sometimes. And um, so it's hard to say yes to that question. But if he can't go like at least fifty fifty, what are you doing? Uh, they 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 have Dillon out there way too much. And I know they value his pass blocking, which. Ugh, but uh, yeah, Aaron Jones is not playing nearly enough for who, for the guy who is clearly the best player on the offense. Like, um, it's it's pretty silly. If you're trying to win, well, so what, like, what was the stat that was going around? It was like he's played in 88 games or something, and he's had 20 touches in 17 of them. Yeah, that's it. And he gets hurt a lot, you know. It, like, it's not but like also he's he's going to be the youngest 30 year old back in the history of the NFL. He is. He's gonna. I mean, they're they're doing. Um, you know, damage control on his usage. They, they at some point you got to run the guy into the ground, man. They're saving him for the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> Evan Weston says, I understand this was always going to be an evaluation year, but the evaluation looks worse and worse each week. With it becoming clear that Jordan Love is not the guy, and with the increasing questions about Matt LaFleur's ability to do the job, does replacing Brian Gutekunst and the front office merit some consideration? They built this roster and have missed on about four times as many top 100 picks as they've hit on, per the analysis from Andy Herman on Twitter. Yes. I mean, everybody should be on the table when you have... Well, the front office is responsible for the cap situation, and that did involve keeping Aaron. That trade-off was probably worth it. Um, but they have missed on a lot of cheap talent infusion. Their drafts have not been routinely good lately. And um, they should definitely do a hard look at their processes and people there. Yeah, they definitely bear some responsibility here. A hundred percent. I don't know. I don't know how, how else to say that. Um, when... Everything under the front office is going wrong. The front office is also going wrong. Archduke Asilatam, or Darth Paul, I can't decide, says, realizing there are many areas that are terrible on this team, but that has Jordan Love given us any reason to believe he does not belong in the lower pantheon of Packer quarterbacks like Rich Campbell, David Whitehurst, and Randy, my helmet doesn't fit right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sorry. Also, I'm distracted by the fact that his name is Metallica backwards, and we're trying to remember what that's true. Yeah. What's it? What's that from? Hmm. I don't know. It's like a reference to something. Anyway, sorry. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, yeah. Until he can hit a throw that's not the middle of the field, fifteen yards down it. Yes, he's one of the bad quarterbacks. That is where he belongs. Uh, all of his comps so far are all bad quarterbacks. He's very much like Brett Hundley. Um, it's it's not good. I knew Brett Hundley's name was going to get called. Would you take Matt Flynn or Jordan Love? 
like Matt Flynn of a few years like, ago, not like, Matt Flynn today. Am I trying to tank for a better quarterback, or am I trying to win a game? Are, are we talking <laughs> pre-tendonitis pre Matt Flynn? Sure, I'll yes, I'll, but I still think it's probably Jordan Love. I'll even take dead-arm Matt Flynn. Well, if I got to win a game and I got to pick one of the two of them, I'll take Matt Flynn. Like, he is accurate, and I can work with that guy. Put Matt Flynn in, like, the Shanny offense, and he's probably fine. He's pretty much just Brock Purdy. That's totally a fine thing to do. Yeah. I, I know how to also, stop Jordan Love right now, so I'm not all down Matt for Flynn that. Does, all Matt Flynn does is win championships. He has a championship is this at every level. That's true. That's true. Uh, is this next name, when I read it, is it going to... Uh, I'm, I'm trying to read it in my brain. I think if you say it correctly and fast man. enough, you'll be okay. All right. John S. Penske. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to add a, my own... My own uh, pronunciation there i can't get my head i can't get my head around all the things that went wrong with this team so i'll start with trying to better understand the offensive line play individual inconsistency is certainly a problem with left tackle center right guard and even left guard according to social media ol film guy sorry according to social media ol film guy evaluating guys and things like PFF gives failure rate, but these don't necessarily indicate whether a play failed because of the individual failure or a cascading failure caused by someone else on the line trying to compensate for someone failing nearby. Is there a metric or a heat map to evaluate individual versus cooperative failure in the offensive line play that way? Is there a metric that says everyone in the line did well and the play was successful to compare rates for OL between teams and then permutations of one failure, two failures, etc.? What is the best way to evaluate? I think what he's just asking straight up is, because we've talked about this before, offensive line play is such a unit situation. Yeah. Is there some way to separate, okay, this guy screwed up versus... You know, it's hard to say because, like he says, there's cascading failures. Sometimes the left guard is the guy who gets burned because he has to make up for what the tackle did wrong. Yeah, I'll just tell you all right. Offensive line statistics are pretty rough. There's probably good ones behind the next-gen stats wall that we can't see. But, like, things like pass block and uh, win rate and run block win rate have a lot of disagreements with eye test and with PFF grading. And PFF grading is its own problematic thing and it's honestly hard to know what to trust unless you're just an offensive line expert which i'm not and uh, nobody else here is i would venture to say sorry matt um <laughs> maybe I, I would never say i'm an offensive line expert. i don't know more more than i am um it, it's it is a very difficult position to judge because those responsibilities are so hard to tell from the outside uh, it, it's very very difficult to do so reliably and doing so for every play is like a full-time job and so um, there's not like a good heat map source out there. At least that I, if anybody knows one, please tell me. I would love to have it. Um, but the the things that are publicly available, like win rates, uh, are I would say not to be trusted. So um, it's you could just count on the fact that it is correct that one guy's failure does disrupt the whole line. And the one thing we know at a macro level is that one of the best predictors for offensive line success from year to year is continuity from the previous year. Injuries do a huge number on offensive line productivity as a whole. A transition from one player to a new player, even if that player is uh, a good player, also usually does a number on offensive line play for at least a while at the start of a season. So you can count on failures cascading a lot on the line, and you can count on any individual doing poorly, basically wrecking the whole thing. Patrick Detmer says, since the likelihood that the Packers miss the playoffs is high, it's almost certain they'll be featured on Hard Knocks next year. 
Given that the Packers lose their minds whenever fans film practice during training camp, they can't be too thrilled <laughs> about this. However, they still do have an out if they have a first-year head coach. Last week, you all said LaFleur was safe for another year, but do you think that at least someone at 1265 Lombardi has had the conversation of changing head coaches at the end of the year so the organization can keep an iron grip over the filming of their team activities. <laughs> I love, I do too. love this conspiracy. I mean, it's, I, I love I, it. here's the thing: I hate conspiracy theories that make sense. Like, like this is this is one of the most logical conspiracies I've ever heard. It's not because... good for Lafleur. I'll say that. Like, oh, <laughs> if anybody's on the fence and they don't want the sideshow in Green Bay, like. No, so, like, like, let's just do it now. <laughs> let's avoid this. But if we if we fast forward to January, and like we find out that the Packers are in contention for, uh, for being on hard knocks, and then let you me find stop out you right the- there. First of all, let me stop you right there. If they don't make the playoffs and Matt Lafleur is still the coach, they will be featured yeah, on hard. Absolutely knocks. not. No not if he's fired. Not if he's fired at the end of the. Well, no, well, no, yeah, I agree. I agree. Whole, I'm just yeah. saying, like, they are going to be on hard knocks if they don't make the playoffs. There is yeah. no, there's no plan B here. That's correct. Yes, and and so like legitimately, it's like they don't make the playoffs. Oh man, they could make hard knocks, and then it's like Lafleur bye, and then Murphy retires. Like, absolutely, hundred percent. That's that's what. <laughs> that is the cause. That's so good, Patrick. Seriously, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Matt Lafleur should be very concerned. The hard knocks conspiracy. Um, they do need to lighten up. I mean, I get that. I get that every advantage is important, but like, come on, lighten up. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Old man on a bike in Sherlington. I'm just an old man on a bike who started the season with high hopes. Those hopes have now been crushed as it seems love is not good at football. Is there any hope for love or can we now close the book on this chapter and refocus our attention on major league pickleball while we await the draft? If love improves his accuracy at this point in time as a 25 year old, it would essentially be unprecedented in the history of the NFL. So, oh man, he, he could he could maybe be good in a different way if they start hitting bombs down the field. But yeah, you've all seen him throw a bomb. You think that's getting a lot better? Because I sure don't. So, um, I, I don't think there's a lot of hope for him. I would bet heavily against him ever being a top 15 quarterback, and I suspect that he'll be one of the worst quarterbacks consistently as long as he's allowed to play. So. Yeah, not a lot of hope on on this end here. Well, like Damn. the '80s sensation, Roxette once said, "It must have been love, but it's, it's over, over now." now. <laughs> That's deep, Matub. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I believe they also said she's got the look for whatever that's worth. Um, what was the other big hit, Roxette? They had oh, another man. one. Uh, oh, joyride, come for the joyride. That's what it was. Uh, Mattingly Cyburns. I've come to the conclusion that the 2023 Green Bay Packers are a bad marriage between a coaching staff that cannot teach execution effectively and a front office that only drafts uber athletes and doesn't seem to value players who have shown the instincts or technique needed to be consistent playmakers. Given this broken draft and developed system, over under 1.5 of the following have their current job by week 12 of 2024. <laughs> Goody, Lafleur, and Love. Uh, I think love they're they're checked out in by then. I think they're evaluating other options by then. Even if they don't get a top one of the top two this year, like they'll they'll almost certainly take a quarterback, and they'll probably still have Clifford around. So they'll be twenty twenty four. They'll probably still be bad, and week twelve they'll probably be trying guys out. Um, if they're still bad, I suspect Lafleur is gone too. Uh, Goody had slightly less chance of being gone, but um, uh, I'll say two of them. So I'll take the over. Yeah. 
I just, I literally mentioned Sean Clifford earlier in this podcast and still forgot he was a quarterback on the roster. It's, he's just uh, like, I don't even object to them having him because they needed a backup, but he's just not, he's not an NFL he's, quarterback. Sean Clifford is, is as old as me and probably throws the ball as hard as I do. That's correct. Yes. It's in the face of Kareem Jackson, though. You love to see it. Chiefs Cavarici says, what happened to our offensive line? I thought they were looking like one of the best lines in the league preseason. I know left tackles is an important position on the line, and with with Bakhtiari out, we're going to be at a disadvantage. But who would you guys start at left tackle if it was up to you? What would your starting line look like? Uh, I know we get ahead of ourselves a little bit here, but it, it is weird that Yash Nyman is persona non grata because he's probably part of the best line they can put out there. And Part of this is just, aside from Bakhtiari, who is at least, uh, you know, we all thought is this injury is weird, and I'm not surprised he's out. The Elton Jenkins collapse has been a big problem. Uh, if they could have just slotted him into left tackle like a lot of people thought they would, and he just provided average protection, this wouldn't be that big of a deal, but he his crashing has been rough. Um, and then whatever they think they see in Rashid Walker, um, I don't. Uh, and that's where I would start. I would take him out. And um, it, it's hard, though. Like, with Elton not playing well, I don't know what you do. Maybe I stick him at center and see if he can get himself back to normal by playing some center, which he did in college. Um, I still like Runyon at guard. I think he can be fine there. Tom's good. Like, th- th- that's the one you can actually count on. Um, but uh, uh, Royce is, I mean, part of the problem with Royce is that's where you start to run into issues. That's where you hit your depth. And there's not like a guy there to come in there. You, uh, we uh, we banty about Sean Ryan coming in once in a while, but like that guy sucks too. So um, <laughs> that other guard problem is the big one where I don't really know what to do there. Uh, Kate's time seven says the green 19 pod reported AJ Dillon saying he's not hitting the panic button yet. Tom Silverstein then mentioned <laughs> he doesn't know what panic button there is to hit. I'm afraid Spoon nailed it. I have two teenage daughters, so I know what a panic button looks like and feel like and I feel like I hit all hit it all the time. Between injuries, weak game plans, and misassignments, the front office must not know what they've got, much less what they do about lousy play. If there was a panic button here, what does reporting as eligible think happens when one hits it? Just all laterals all the time. That, <laughs> that would be awesome. What if we built the offense on hook and ladder? That's right. That's it. There was a good hook and ladder in the uh, Wisconsin game. I I feel like we should mention. Uh, Yeah, against them. Against them. Right? Against them. As a means of of nearly allowing Illinois to steal that game right back. Yeah. Yep. Good job, Illinois. Well executed. Well done. Yep. Didn't end in a touchdown. Sad. Dutch Boy 5. So everyone is asking (laughs) the same question I have. Is the problem Matt LaFleur or Jordan Love? So I have to ask something different. What say you? Cheese curds or mozzarella sticks? Not sub question. Is Watson a bust pick? Uh, not yet. Cheese, cur- I mean, cheese curds with a bullet. Like, I'm a monster sticks guy. Um, I, I will like say, I've, I've I've overdone it with cheese curds in Wisconsin. I'm yeah, afraid. that's fair. I do think uh, there's a lot of variance that comes into this question. So I'll go generally cheese curds if they're beer battered. Both are worse if they're breaded. Uh, the Saz's mozzarella sticks are just perfect. Um, and that's probably what oh, I go my with. My God, they else. are wonderful. Yeah, and wonderful. so so for me, I I understand the apprehension like. Like a bad mozzarella stick is better than a bad cheese curd. I disagree but with a, that. You don't think so? No, really? I, I, yeah. I, I'd rather have a bad cheese. I mean, I'd rather have a good thing. But um, bad mozzarella stick is just a lot of bad. You know, it's a big hunk of bad. Cheese curd, you're over with it right away. You can move on to the next thing. Wait, I, I guess I should. 
I have never had like what I would consider a straight up bad mozzarella stick because they're always really? like, they're from Gordon's Food Services and you either cook them correctly or you don't. Man, there's a lot of bad mozzarella sticks <laughs> out there. That's uh, true. Is Watson a bust? Yes. Uh, uh, I don't think so. I yet. think it's too early for bust. Like we saw them get production out of him. I think you need some creativity there and maybe realize his limitations and use him for what he is. Um, it's does he have a carry this year? Like, <laughs> uh, I think he has. He has, doesn't he? Have, he doesn't have a touchdown, but I think he has a carry. Okay, but I feel like not a, not enough of that is going on. Like they, they seem to use other people on jet sweeps and just try to use him as a normal receiver, and that's just not a good way to use him. They need to adjust their thinking on this, and it's hurting them. So let's see. Where's Christian? He has one carry for negative five yards. That is the extent of his running on the air. Danish Cheesehead says, can you please rank the following three statements from most to least ludicrous and discuss why? A, the offensive line is good. The bad run blocking doesn't matter. Just go empty as running is inefficient anyways. <laughs> B, next year, draft some new rookie wide receivers who can actually run correct routes and catch in traffic. C, Kyle Shanahan would have made the Packers a 12-5 and team. D, if Brock Purdy had started instead of love, Packers would by now have a winning record. Those are all ludicrous. Um, <laughs> yes. So they don't have the personnel to run the Shanahan offense. That uh, starts up front. They can't run block. They can't power block. They like light offensive linemen, which is not how that team operates. Uh, Brock Purdy is just a guy, and he, without the Shanahan offense, he will not be successful. Um, rookie running back or rookie wide receivers. That's B is probably the least ludicrous, I think. Um, you don't want to fix the problem with young receivers with other young receivers, but I don't feel like this is a great group of young receivers. So maybe, and the O line is garbage, and you can't just go empty all the time. Like that's the thing. Well, no, but here's the thing though. So like A might fix some problems because you have air raid wide receivers. So just run an NFL air raid. I guess. Okay, fair. That is fair. Your offensive line is actually set up to run air raid better than anything else is. Yeah, okay, okay. I, I, you have sold me a little bit on there. Like Watson as an air raid receiver probably works a lot better than whatever this is. Dobbs obviously does. And uh, space underneath for Reed also probably does. So yeah, that on board with it, even though it is kind of crazy uh it's it's ludicrous and absolutely wouldn't work but it actually might be the best option <laughs> it would be more entertaining that's for damn sure lately joel osmond says given the current roster and assuming all players are healthy which completely different offensive and defensive schemes would you run to make the team look marginally competent <laughs> like oh, we just did that one air raid yeah. in tampa 2 air raid in tampa 2 i think is the correct answer i think that's right um with quay uh, in tampa 2 um, I think that's fine. I mean, they have no safeties, so they can't really run anything super competently, but that's a good way to start. Um, and yeah, the air raid, this is like kind of a built like an air raid team that's running the Shanahan offense, which is maybe the most concise way that Matt's come up with to, to say how dysfunctional it is. All right, you're either a smart fella or a fart smeller. Yeah. The Packers losing versus You finally Denver. got it, man. You did like, it last week. Try. I got Two it last week. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, a little yeah. stumbling. I, I just this is your best one. The Packers losing versus Denver right after Las Vegas has me imagining a scenario in which the team ends up bottoming out this year in a way that might suggest the need to clean house. Despite that, I gather the feeling that Packers fans should probably prepare themselves to pump the brakes and only expect significant change 
after Mark Murphy leaves in 2025. Is my instinct here correct, or do you think he'd ever decide to burn it down and hire a new coach or GM shortly before a new president would have the chance to make that decision? Frankly, there are too many things that could potentially go wrong with this team to really point out any single change that would surely improve things beyond clawing back cap space and getting a better defensive coordinator. Even considering a relatively smaller decision like drafting a new quarterback, if it became apparent Love wasn't the guy, would they be willing to give Goody another chance at a quarterback selection after whiffing on Love, which, as we all recall, was a bold and optically bad decision at the time? Okay, so what are the odds that your retiring president makes a Hail Mary play to have a legacy cementing season? Fairly high. Fairly high. Fairly high. Exactly. So I, I, I think that the discussion about Murphy retiring is actually more important than everyone's kind of letting on. So I really do think that Murphy attempting some kind of legacy securing change is a possibility. And we do see a complete total shakeup. Yeah. The quarterback thing only becomes an issue if you're not getting one of the top guys in the draft. Like if you're drafting one and you got to pick between the two big dogs, scouting matters. If you have the number two, then you just get the guy that's left over. Uh, I mean, um, the thing with love was like, it was a speculative pick that they spent a lot of money on. Um, and that's probably not going to be the, I mean, the Colts have made a, a living out of having dumb people just have the number one pick in the draft and getting Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. Um, that's worked out very well for them over time. That's kind of the, oh, end. and, and also not John Elway and also not John. Elway. I mean, yeah, they almost <laughs> had John Elway too. That's also true. So, um, I, I don't think you really worry too much about that unless you've got to go do some work to get your next quarterback. Um, but yeah, no big deal there, but yeah, I, I think. Um, when you're on the way out, you can either step aside gracefully, but that's not how a lot of executives work, and a lot of them want to be the guy that drafted X or the guy who traded for Brett Favre or, you know, something like that. So, yeah. The guy who right, traded we're... away Ty Detmer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're done with uh, Patreon, Patreon questions. Uh Couple, couple from Blue Sky. I'll read this one. Uh, it's easy to say there's a pe- pretty pessimistic outlook for this team after the last two games. Is there anything to be optimistic about right now? This is from uh, Jaco Lantern. <laughs> yeah, nice. the season is more than a third over. Um, I mean, they are in decent position to get a pretty good draft pick. That's the kind of the opposite of optimistic, but it's true. Uh, Anders Carlson, uh, even though he missed a kick, has actually been pretty good. That's that's not a bad one. Oh, God, the kicker. <laughs> kicker. Uh, the NFL season will likely end before the heat death of the universe. Yeah, uh, it's, I mean, it's like they've had no good performances. Russell Douglas has actually been pretty good this year. It's not like he won't be on the team much longer. Rashawn Gary has been good. I don't think he'll be on the team much longer either. <laughs> um, mm. So that, Quay, he's been pretty good. So there's not nothing. There's some good individual performances, but yeesh. It's not, not a you lot. You get to listen to us every week. Yeah. We, we come around on, I like, on I like Wednesday that. mornings. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this one I think we've kind of addressed. Yeah. So uh, this last one's from Twitter. It doesn't actually oh, say I'm who's sorry. saying That's this. Oh, sorry. That's Oh, cool. Yeah. Hi guys. Two short questions. One: Did the departure of Hackett and promotion of Stenovich ruin our offense as a whole and our offensive offensive line play specifically? And number two: Do you have any inside info why Nyman is in the doghouse? The Nyman thing's weird. Uh, I I got nothing there other than he must not practice very well. Like yeah. To me, it's just Devontae Wyatt on offense. Yeah, that's what he seems like, is Devontae Wyatt on offense. Uh, if you're a Brewers fan, he's Brian Anderson. That's your comp there. And uh, 
it will won't find out until he's on a different team and can talk freely about it. But it's weird because I don't think he's worse than everybody else on the line. <laughs> oh, also, speaking of Brewer fans, it looks like the Diamondbacks are advancing. All right, that's true. Yes, the they recorded the final about a little bit ago. Amazing. The streak lives. Every team to face the Brewers and beat them in the postseason advance to the World Series. <sighs> and pretty weird. And yeah, we may hang have, the banner. Yeah, and we hang may have some. Banner. We may have some brain drain and Peter Principle affecting the team too. That is entirely possible. Like, I'm sorry, of, oh, yeah. Peter Peter Principle. You don't know the Peter Principle? No. That eventually, uh, Peter Principle is that eventually uh, any corporate employee will be promoted to the level of incompetence. That's oh, the Peter Principle. Okay. okay, I got it. Why is it called the Peter Principle? A guy named Peter invented it. I'm assuming. That's why Peter's name in office. That's why Office Space Peter is named Peter. He's. Oh, he's named after the Peter Principal and a monkey. He's Peter Gibbons. That's okay. Yeah. That's, uh, well done. <laughs> so I, I've worked in places that follow the Peter Principal, and that was exactly what happened. Yeah, it's very and common. I've, <laughs> and and I've worked in places where people were allowed to uh, turn down promotions. Like, hey, you are a best engineer. You should be an engineering manager. And he goes, hi, I have severe autism and should not lead a group. And then they're like, okay, you can keep being engineer. And then it was great. Everything was good. Mm. Yeah, people should do what they're best at. And if they want to be managers, that's fine. And they're trained for it. And if they don't, then, you know, they should do the job they're good at. It's a good good way of running things. So I think we're done. That's uh, it. Yeah, we're, we're done with we're questions. Done. We're done with Thank questions. the Lord. Thank the Lord indeed. Thanks for all the questions. A lot of good ones as usual. All the different ways we can say that this team is not it. Why, are it, this, uh, why is this team bad from this angle? Uh, it is. Uh, oh, the Peter Principle I don't think is they, actually I... named after the author who wrote the book about it. Oh, there you go. Named after a guy uh, Lawrence, named Peter. Lawrence J. Peter wrote a book about yeah. it. Uh, yeah, I thought I think I think the questions are so good because there were a couple that were kind of in the same lane, but for the most part, everyone yeah. had a new, fresh way to look at how bad things are. It's re- really great. Also, they were. And unique. I'm, like, I'm we not even have, kidding. There was really... We usually have so many questions that just like repeat themselves, and these are. I know all... that's what I'm saying. Oh, it's so good. I'm having a good week. <laughs> it's a good community. We lo- we love we love our listeners. Very nice. Very good. Very good stuff. Indeed. Um, we're all sad yeah. together. Uh, by the way, in Office Space, uh, his next door neighbor, who's play- played by Diedrich Bader, is named Lawrence. So he is also named after the Peter Principal author. That would be both of his names. Um, Way to go. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's get out of here. JR, anything good? Who jerks at the same time, man? <laughs> um, I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> that actor i forget i forget what the prompt was but I, it was something to the effect of what's one thing that you'll be remembered for and he just posted a picture of lawrence looking befuddled <laughs> sitting in that in that recliner and it's just like it is a blessing and a curse to be known for that specific line of dialogue also, but also like he's one of the best voice actors of a generation yes, i know people he is. ignore that completely underrated yes, batman they know him from the Very good show and that's it yep he's yep. the second best batman after kevin conroy um, what is up for me? Uh, well, had had a, a lot to write about with this Badgers game. There was a fat man touchdown that decided the outcome. Heck yeah! Uh, in the Badgers versus Illinois game on Saturday, that guy I wrote reported about as that. eligible to to great effect. He absolutely reported as eligible. Uh, I feel fat guy touchdowns is essentially the thing I'm put on this earth to write about, and so of course I did. A lot of <laughs> Packers connections in that story, uh, and in the process of researching it, I do not remember. The 70-yard touchdown that Gabe Wilkins had in 1997, it was against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Super Bowl Packers uh, in the midst of a second year that is going to end in the Super Bowl. And uh, I forget 
the quarterback, I should remember, I don't know, but he threw it, he threw it right to Gabe Wilkins, a defensive lineman, big fella, who then proceeded to, oh, it was Trent Dilfer, hurdled that sounds about right. Trent Dilfer. Yeah. I mean, just like skied over Trent Dilfer and then burled down the field for a 70 yard touchdown. Just a, a remarkable piece of filmed footage and, uh, a reminder that these dudes are like as much as I love big guys because they're relatable. I'm a big guy. They're big guys, but no, no, no. These big guys are tremendous athletes. Oh yeah, who are like top top one percent. Uh, you you are uh, like their... you're like two sentences away from this being a Bill Brasky joke. Uh, okay. You, what Bill is, Brasky what is the, the, SN, the SNL skit? No. I like vaguely Bill Brasky, big fella, goes about six seven four eighty. Once punched ah, yes. the priest at my wedding, like. Um, anyway, wrote about that, wrote about the, uh, the fair catch that Aaron Rodgers was complaining about on Pat McAfee, the, uh, Minnesota, Iowa game, Iowa had what looked like a go ahead punt return in the final minute, minute 21. Uh, he was ruled to have an invalid fair catch signal. This has come up before oh, yeah. in college football. It that burned Wisconsin in 2015. So I wrote about that. This one, this one against Minnesota, uh, or Iowa, I should say kept Iowa from winning the game is going to have big implications for the Badgers going forward in the standings. So, uh, that was a fun thing to write about as well. A lot of people angry about that one, and uh, that's uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of Badgers. Since the Packers are bad, we're uh, we're focusing on college football now. Sounds good to me, Matt. Anything? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be writing stuff for Acme Packing Company again this week. All right. I don't know what it is yet, but I'll be writing it. Nice. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, as for me, my Shepherd column recapping that nonsense is up and looking forward to what the Packers should do going forward. Uh, go read that. I'll have something for APC later this week. And if you didn't see the first episode of Not See or Listen To, you can do both. Uh, Unpactually, go check that out too. We ran a little game show. We had excellent contestants between Andy Herman, uh, Paul Brattle, and Justice Mosqueda. Uh, go check it out. I won't tell you who won, but it was a close match that came down to the very end. So um, that'll do it for us. We'll be back next week after the Vikings game, whatever happens there. Uh, I guess uh, the Vikings, I think, are looking pretty good and solid and, and competent. However, if, if there's one thing the Vikings are good at, it is losing games that they're supposed to win. So we'll see. Maybe we'll be back and be all cheery and optimistic next week. Stranger things have happened. Enjoy the game. <laughs>